0: I hope you've been enjoying our Wine and Hip Hop Takes France series, a bunch of episodes that brought us from Burgundy to Bordeaux and not quite to Provence, but a producer of wine from Provence. This run is legendary. Thinking about where I've come from to where I am now, I had to commemorate that with some fire merch. So go to wineandhiphop.com, hit the merch tab and check out our French collection where you can get our projects to Provence hoodie or Bronx to Bordeaux tee or maybe the Brooklyn to Burgundy tee. I mean, it's your choice, man. It's a lot of fly stuff. We got the new Wine and Hip Hop trucker hats. You want to support the brand. You want to be fresh. You want to commemorate this journey. Hit the merch tab and holla at your boy. This is a moment in Wine and Hip Hop. Brought to you by Crew Love. Blending wine and hip-hop at the highest level. Wine and hip-hop, wine and music. Yeah, was good job all your man Jermaine Showtime Stone, AKA the Wolf of Wine, AKA the Zara Vibes, AKA Young Thanos, so I'm just out here collecting infinity stones. Today, I'm chopping it up with a good friend of mine. If you follow us on the Gram, you definitely know her work. Harvest celebrations in Burgundy will never be the same, thanks to the co-founder of Othpo, Melina Berman. Big shout out to my man, Louik, the other half of this revolutionary company creating art and wine experiences all over the world in ways that have never been approached. For example, she developed this year's End of Harvest Party in Merceau, hosted by your boy. You know what I'm saying? And this is just an example of her different approach to art experiences. You know, Oat Call also creates fully immersive art, wine, and travel experiences by connecting with museums, galleries, and winemakers all over the world. So without further ado, Here's my girl, Melina Burke. Thank you very much, Melina. Thank you for joining me on the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: I am excited to have you here. I feel like we got a a bunch of things to talk about. We should have done this out in Burgundy. You know, we were like right there, but you were a little busy.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we were a little busy. We were running around. I was making grilled cheese sandwiches.
0: (laughs) I think you broke the world record for grilled cheese sandwiches that day.
1: Yeah, shout out to Amity also, who helped us 120-something grilled cheese sandwiches and a lot of industrial cheese (laughs) leftovers that we ate for weeks afterwards.
0: Guys, Melena helped to create one of the amazing, amazing experiences that we had in France this year. Her company, Oatco, brings together wine and art experiences in a way that I felt was so amazing. I wanted to have her on the show to talk this through because I feel like we like cousins in this, you know? It's like we all from the same tree, really. And we're both trying to connect art with wine in in different ways. And I feel like what you're doing is so much more all-encompassing I thought that this would be a great conversation. So thank you again for, for joining me on the show. Thank you. I know you were in the art and wine space. So we got to help my, my wine and hip hop crowd get to know you a little better. So first question, this is gotcha journalism. If you could pick a rapper that embodied your style and your spirit, what rapper would that be?
1: So, you know, I know you asked this question, so I gave it a lot of thought <laughs> and, you know, the, the, the person, or actually before even a person or an artist came up for me, it was an album and I had to think, you know, what's the album that I've been listening to for a long time and that I still listen to today and that I can see I'll continue listening to. And I always come back to The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill. Mm. Now the to this album since i was 10 or even a little younger you know i had the poster over my bed in my room which you know i'm pretty proud of because i think a lot of 10 year old girls um you know people later might regret what they had over hanging over their bed when they were that age and i'm i'm (laughs) still with it i'm still listening
0: you still got Um, it over your bed
1: (laughs) no i don't i don't have it over my bed but i am still listening to the album and you know, I think it's incredible when there's for, for that long, you know, more than 20 years to stick with it. And yeah, there's something for every mood on that album. There's, you know, empowerment songs, there's songs about love, there's songs about motherhood, which mm. um, is a song I loved then and love even more now being a mom. Mm. Um, and um, yeah, breakup songs, angry songs, Oh um, yeah.
0: She she really covers it. It's funny, too, like that, you know, you having such a, a rich art background, like to me, that's in that you can like hear colors on that album. It feels like you're listening to a museum. I love know? that. Like yeah. um, that album is. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a special album. And I, I look at Lauren and I feel like she was one of those first artists that was really blending singing and rapping. You know, when I was listening to the Miss Education, you know, I heard Lost Ones and I'm like, "Ah, right, yeah, Lauren's going to come with it. And then I heard a song like Zion and all the other songs that she was doing. It was just like, hold up, I wasn't quite ready for that. It was amazing to hear uh, a female's emotions expressed in that way, you know, and it, it really she's yeah. I mean, hands down, one of the most amazing rappers of all time. You can't categorize her as like best female rapper I mean, she's different on a whole. And so shout to Lauren Hill, man. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and
1: you know, it's, you say it's art. It feels like art, but it is performance art, you know, with the in-between moments of the classroom, which apparently was only, it was one take. It wasn't, you know, rehearsed Mm -hmm. and done over and over again. It feels so authentic. And um, yeah, time and again, I just keep, I always come back to it.
0: I bring wine and hip hop together. You're bringing wine and art together. What was the motivating factor for you in wanting to bridge these two worlds?
1: You know, being really honest, you are one of my motivations. You're an
0: inspiration <laughs> doing
1: it. No, really, you're inspiring me because I think up until very recently I had both of these worlds um, in my life and art and wine, like you had hip hop and wine and. I was keeping them separate, like, you know, they were parallel universes. I moved to Burgundy 10 years ago, but I was always working in art. I sort of didn't share that art world side with my Burgundy people so much because I felt like, I don't know, it's a really recent thing that I've gotten comfortable with that. And even more than comfortable realizing, like, of course, this makes sense. Of Mm -hmm. course, these two worlds, they speak the same language. They just maybe need a translator or something. But, or like <laughs> you someone are that help
0: ambassador.
1: Me. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. I don't know. I think um, in the art world, I felt that I wouldn't be taken seriously when I talked about where I lived, you know, um, country bumpkin living in Burgundy. This is not, you know, I'm not in New York. I'm not in London or Berlin. And so I really played that part down. Um, I guess I can back up a little bit. So I, studied art history and went to work in some galleries, worked for an art fair. And then I got offered a job. I was working at a um, private art collection in San Francisco and I was doing a tour for a group of museum donors, sort of a behind the scenes after hours kind of thing. And the person who was giving the tour worked for a company based in Burgundy and said, you know, if you're interested. This is the kind of thing we do. We had, she had actually done also Napa Valley wine visits and then come to the city and was doing galleries and artist studios and private collections, really exclusive high level kind of private access trip. And it sounded really appealing to me. And she said, we're based in Burgundy, you should apply. And I applied because I was really ready for a change. I was living in an apartment with five other people with five mm-hmm. jobs. I had the five jobs not them. <laughs> I had five jobs. and um, I was, yeah, running around. And so she's like, it's a little town called bone. And at that stage, I didn't know much about wine at all. I had um, been working in restaurants. Um, so I knew I, I knew I liked wine. I knew, um, you know, some basics, but I didn't know where bone was. Um,
0: <laughs> I yeah, was just going to ask, were you like, oh, yeah, where a burgundy? That or? word <laughs>
1: didn't mean anything to me, you know, <laughs> and now I know that, you know, these villages around Bone that were like just the next town where I was like, oh, I guess I'll ride my bike to Pomard today or take a boat <laughs> to Marceau. I didn't know that was special. Um, I knew I liked it as soon as I arrived. So I and kind all of- the
0: white wine seemed to be amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's so
1: interesting. Like everything I have Everywhere here, you go, it's really, yeah, it's wild. <laughs> but you know, that's it was such a nice way to discover it too, because I wasn't this like, impressed you mm-hmm. know
0: exactly
1: oh my god it didn't feel exclusive and uh, scary or intimidating to me because I was just like thrilled to be here and I didn't really know you know I'd meet people who were like you know big deal winemakers and I was like <laughs> I didn't know then I'd you know come back later and be like I'm so sorry by the way now, like, I so what do you do, do for wine, work yeah, yeah
0: exactly.
1: <laughs> so I figured it out so Anyway, but then you know, I settled in and I became part of this community here, which is really wonderful, special, wonderful people community, expats, um, wine lovers from all over the world who are magnate are brought to this place. And I became a part of it and started to, you know, do the harvest with friends and um, taste and um, learn about wine in that way. I did end up taking a few classes to know what I was talking about because that's all I mean really you go you can't talk about the weather here if if you're talking about the weather it's related to wine it's like you know (laughs) it's not it's not there's no small talk that's not wine related so (laughs) I had to learn a little bit and good
0: harvests yeah 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 yeah
1: yeah yeah. so (laughs) no it wasn't so you need to know what you're talking about you know so anyway so I yeah, I learned, I learned by living here and by, you know, walking through the parcels and um, tasting with friends and opening bottles and just getting to know the place. And in my work, I um, traveled a lot. So I started working with museum donors and trustees, um, mostly for American institutions. Um, So these are people who are giving at a very high level and the museums in a way of fundraising and, you know, consolidating, yeah, spending time with their, um, with their members, we would plan really special trips. So Mm -hmm. I was all over from India to Argentina, to London, to New York and Texas and um, Myanmar. I mean, it, it brought me, I had incredible experiences for seven years organizing these trips and making really special things happen for these people to get them excited about culture and um, encourage giving. Mm. So I did that. And then the pandemic hit and it stopped and that was tough. So it was time to pivot. And um, I pivoted into a really wonderful place, not knowing um, necessarily yeah, not, not with a plan to get there, but um, I ended up working at Demandujac, um as assistant to Jeremy Sess and his family. And yeah, I don't think I even understood the, uh, <laughs> again, yeah. oh no, I, I knew a little bit more. I had more context at this point. So I knew this was special, but, but I couldn't- But you know really weren't I
0: tripping did. until until the drop, like right, well. Yeah, until,
1: yeah. <laughs> I had some, yeah, amazing- um, Uh, luck, I think. And um, really, that changed a lot for me, of course. So I started to think, okay, I love both of these worlds. There's something to be done, bringing the two together. And maybe instead of shying away from it, I should embrace it. And starting to, you know, I started to realize that there were some people in Both worlds who had a lot of overlaps, you know, maybe they're collecting art, and you know, then I never knew, but they they might have been a former client of mine, and then they say, you know, you live in Burgundy, I didn't, you never mentioned that, you know, I also (laughs) collect wine, or you know, vice versa, and um, yeah, it could be people in the creative industry who end up having a real interest for wine or winemakers who I find out really love art and more and more um, it's become a natural overlap.
0: There's a lot that's right in front of you and there's a lot of things that are really missed, you know, like when we started talking about this I was like, seriously that they like would give you problems for that because any art event that I've ever been to always has like free wine. But it's yeah. always like some boxed wine or not well thought out. So there's so much opportunity of, you know, not just stimulating people's minds with the art, but also mixing that and stimulating their palettes as well, you know? And it's it's just, it's a huge opportunity that you're grabbing onto. So I know you recently um, completed your master's in art business, you know? So like, you know how to hustle in that space and then having the background in wine that you've had you have a great opportunity of bringing those things together like can you tell our listeners a little bit about some of the sort of things that you would cover um, when working on that because i feel like the art business is kind of one of those areas that people don't really have a ton of insight and, and access to
1: so i studied art business while i was working at dujac to keep myself um you know i feel like education felt like i need i was grabbing with the pandemic I didn't want to lose the connection with the art world. Mm. And that was something I always wanted to do. And stay
0: um, in the trenches.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so. Yeah. 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 And um, as if I wasn't busy enough, um, (laughs) I I felt like I needed to do. um, Yeah. Evening and night classes, basically um, long distance. So the classes were in New York and I was in France. So I would work um, during the day and then come home in the afternoon and start my classes and then. Um shout out to Loic also for super supporting me through this and um wow, and wow. Lucian, my son, for his patience. But you know, it was it was such a gift. Education, any it's self-care, right? So it's such a I didn't feel this way, of course, when I was a kid at school, but <laughs> now it's like a luxury and a gift. So I was thrilled to be in those classes and you know, I thought that first that I was studying art business to get away from travel because of the state of the world of the mm. pandemic. I didn't think travel was the place to be. And so I was kind of my the class that I was most interested in was actually um, art advisory and collection building. Mm. And even though now I'm, I'm not going that route. And I think that class taught me that that's a lifelong journey. That's not <laughs> you don't take the class and then become an art advisor like this is this is something you need to see a lot, a lot, a lot. And, um, you know, train your eye, just like, you know, wine experts taste a lot, a lot, a lot and change, mm-hmm. train their palate. So, but it, I I think it's good because, you know, it gave me to know what my clients might be thinking about when they are collecting, you know, you can still mm-hmm. plan an experience that assists and sort of guides this process of collection building or, um, art advisory, not being necessarily an art advisor. It's just sort of being aware of that whole process. I think the masters program was great because it um it gave me the business um, side of things, which I didn't, you know I studied art history, and I um that's more the creative mindset, and I needed some like um real, you know, finance mm. classes and entrepreneur classes and things like that. So it brought together, you know there was some real art you know contemporary art kind of auction learning about the auction house process and the gallery process and the dealerships and all of this but then also um learning just basic business um you know things that are really important so it was it was wonderful it was really helpful for me
0: i gotta say you're really smart in doing that because it makes you kind of like a triple threat, <laughs> you know. Because especially, you know, speaking about investing in art and auction, I know just from my auction days, a lot of the times, you know, it was tough sometimes. As Zachy's, that's that's a big part of why, you know, they got called me the wolf, man. We we were on the hunt. I was hunting because houses like Sotheby's and Christie's and Bonhams, they were able to offer terms that were, you know, more favorable because their collection size would be bigger when people were auctioning estates. They would usually have art and wine. So if you're uh, negotiating your consignment costs by percentage and you're consigning a higher value, that means the percentage that the seller pays the auction house actually goes down. So the more you sell, the better it is for everyone, really, including the collectors buying at the auction. But when you can bring together the cost of art and the cost of wine, and you know the art auctions, they make so much more than wine auctions. So that wine is always like a nice little bonus. So we had to be really aggressive in all of the auction houses that I worked in just to be able to compete. So I think that it's you, you really have so many different spokes that you're armed to go down because you can communicate on that level to those types of people and build that network for yourself so that's i mean again congrats to you you're definitely approaching it the right way
1: yeah i think i was i'm i'm excited about finding these places where they overlap and i think what if i am trying now to understand why i was not embracing it before was, <laughs> there was also let's go and it's now a therapy session so
0: <laughs> i'm here um, i'm here yeah i I'm think listening. that
1: there's also an element of I didn't like the obvious um connection of luxury meet luxury. Like this isn't why I'm interested in wine. It's not what I love about art, you know putting the expensive with expensive, or this is a um, an inaccessible item with an, another hard to get item. That's not appealing to me. It feels too obvious and um, it feels cheesy. And you know, of course there are a lot of wineries that um, bring art into their, into the whole experience. And it's really great and beautiful, but that's, it's actually not what excites me. What excites me is this, idea that what I've learned by hanging out with um, spending time around people who collect and artists and wine makers is that when you are interested in something you want to learn everything about it mm. you want to know and this is terroir right you want to know where it's from what what soil what are the rocks you know what's the environment let's talk about the weather the same is true for art um you know people want to know where's the artist from what was what were the influences what time period are we looking at people who are wine geeks and art geeks like they want to go really deep into every element of the piece or the art or the wine in front of them so i think that kind of attention is what is appealing to me now where i'm starting to realize that these stories you know if i can talk about a wine to art people if i just say it's you know a really high end uh, luxury product that's not what right. they're not you know and it feel it's not authentic to myself either but if i can tell them that this is a wine that expresses a place and you know tell them the story of the winemaker and Um, the tradition, maybe the legacy of this place and um, history and describe it to them and tell them what they might be picking up on when they're drinking the wine. That's why these pairings that we're doing recently with wine and art, I think are interesting. This isn't, um, you know, it's really looking at what we, what is it that is um, appealing for both of the people that makes them look a little bit deeper it's no. not just what's pretty or what tastes good now they're thinking about you know long term and um it's yeah the purpose the maker the ageability the mm-hmm. value over time all of these long term things that i think are more interesting
0: We trying to run them numbers up, y'all. You want to help grow the brand? Subscribe to the YouTube right now. Be the first to check out new episodes of Taste and Notes from the Streets, our fire visual and event series where we pair our favorite foods from the hood with different wines from around the world. I mean, if you only listen to the podcast, you're only getting half the fun. So subscribe to the podcast and subscribe to our YouTube. One. So, Another huge aspect of what you do involves education, you know, so I know you have like some strong feelings about how travel and cultural exchange, especially in wine, can be an educational tool. So particularly for important causes, of course, you know, thinking about all the not-for-profit companies that you work with, how do you fold that into what you do and make it natural rather than force, like, you know, and enforce that as um, part of your relationships with your clients?
1: Yeah, so I think um, we are open to both in the sense that if someone is really passionate about a cause or um, wants to get involved with one of the projects that we're supporting, then we can certainly make it part of the trip. Um, And we can talk about it and we can bring experiences to the table that I think um, really foster this care for for a place. You know, thinking about the fact that, you know, doing an event in um, like a champagne brunch in New York that has a fundraising element involved, it's all good, it's fine. But I think that it's much more um, useful if you can have an actual experience in a place and learn about it and you know, when you when you go somewhere, when you travel, you start to learn about it, you start to fall in love with the place, you adopt it in a way, and then you might support it, and you might continue to support it. So that's sort of the long-term hope that we hope, you know, we'd like to be able to foster that kind of care and support, whether it's terroir preservation kinds of funds, um, biodiversity, um, you know, sustainable projects that some of the wineries we work with that we're supporting as well. Or if people are coming to Burgundy because they just want to have a wine experience and they don't necessarily want that element um, to be at the fore, that's fine too, or Burgundy or another region in France for that matter, um, that's fine too, but there is still a donation included. So mm-hmm. it's, we will always be, I think for us, it's really important that If we're going to be engaged in tourism, which we had this, you know, come to moment during the pandemic and thinking a lot about whether this is a sustainable industry for us to be in, whether we want to be a part of this, um, you know, it needs to be if we're going down this road and we are because we do believe in it, it can't be extractive. It has to be um, we have to be giving back. So um, you know, we thought about there are a lot of companies that can make you carbon neutral by planting trees in another place when you travel. That's great, too, but it didn't feel authentic in it, for us because we are concerned with a sense of place and the importance of a place. So the giving that we do has to be associated with the region we're visiting. So, you know, we've hooked up with some nonprofits that are um, on the ground here, or preserving forests that surround a vineyard that you know is really important to um, to the terroir here. And um, so, yeah, it's 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 there whether people are engaging with it or not. And our hope is that you know, just by being in a place, wherever mm-hmm. it is that we end up doing an event or that we end up uh, traveling to together. Just being there and being exposed and being, you know, seeing, meeting people, hearing stories, Mm. um, you know, that makes people care. And that's the experience I had when I worked with museums is that, you know, being together, too, um, and learning supports giving. But I'm also finding it to be true. I think that wine and culture have a really Um, a powerful, um, they're powerful tools also to get people to um, be committed to be engaged to pay attention and Mm -hmm. to, um, and to end up, um, yeah, giving through, whether it's their time or funds or whatever they can do, um, just by by experiencing something.
0: No, I mean, it's, it's so true. And I mean, you know, even thinking about what, I just mentioned of spending time in Burgundy and walking away, having a much better understanding of it. And I mean, you like showed me around, so (laughs) I can definitely put my stamp of approval on what you do. Now with that, what would be your ultimate wine and art experience? Like, what's the itinerary that you would put together? You got a $500 million budget to do this. You know, I got some serious backers. I don't want to say who, but their last name rhymes with ASOS.
1: (laughs) Um, Well, we're going to Maui.
0: (laughs) That's what it's not.
1: So, no, I think at this level, It's really it's about the places we go for sure. And it's also about the people that we are bringing together. So Mm. I love for an ultimate wine and art experience. You know, I think about um, the Jay-Z video that he did (laughs) with, um, with Marina Abramovich, where it's what's so cool about that video is that it's the hip hop world, but he brings all these art people into the room. And (laughs) it's like, if you're an art world geek, you watch the music video and you're like, Oh my gosh, that's the director of, you know, that's the (laughs) art journalist. And, you know, it, I, I would love to do that kind of, I'm not recording a music video, but I'd like to just bring these people together, winemakers and artists, um, including Jay-Z, you know, and Jay-Z, he can come, (laughs) he can come. So, um, you know, there are a lot of places for sure that that bring the two together. Provence has some incredible art collections that, you know, do tie wine together with the art. Um, But I don't even know if it's that it might also be bringing my art world people to Burgundy. um, And it might be taking a winemaker group um, to Um, visit, you know, an art fair together and do some artist studio visits and visit with some of my favorite artists. And yeah, just bringing the two, especially the makers, I love the idea of, you know, the two speaking the same language and um, being super interested in each other's work, whether they understand it or not. So I love I love that idea. Where exactly (laughs) is to be to be decided where exactly we're going. But it'll be beautiful.
0: (laughs) I have no doubt. You know, I appreciate what you do because we it's all expression, you know, Mm. it's all expression. Like an artist can express themselves in, in many different ways. I mean, shit, you got some basketball players that are like poetry in motion. You know, we were on this France run. I was chopping it up with Tony Parker. I always think it's interesting when I see basketball players that do music as well. And that's a common narrative where it's like, rappers wanna be basketball players and basketball players wanna be rappers. But mm-hmm. Tony Parker, now he's doing the one thing. And I'm just like really impressed at the fact that you can just tell this guy just wants to express himself. You know, there are all different forms of expression, just like hip hop is a form of expression. And you've been doing an amazing job of marrying the art and expression worlds with Juan. And one of those big things was, the wine and hip-hop end of Harvest Party 2022 that shut down Burgundy. That's (laughs) Hera for her. I gotta paint a picture for you guys real quick, you know. Um, So as Malena mentioned, she was working with Jeremy at at Dujac, um, actually when she was on the way out when we were there. And thank God we all connected. And, you know, um, we talked a bit through the things that, um, you know, Oko was going to be doing. And we ended up talking about doing an event together a la 2022 end of harvest party. And you know, I like to work with different creative people that believe in the same value system that I do. And to understand that someone really gets your idea to a point where they can take it and make it bigger and better than you could imagine. Um, you know, that is the type of person that I want to work with. Those are the types of people I enjoy working with. So I was incredibly grateful to work with you on that event. Um, you know, thank you to a week as well, man. I mean, you guys were amazing, and I was I was seriously impressed. To give everybody a bit of context, you know, at this point, our, our Burgundy episodes are hitting, you know what I'm saying, I hope y'all are feeling them. But, um, you know, we shot an episode of Tasting Notes from the Streets out in Burgundy. Jeremy says Dominic LaFont, we eating grilled cheese. It was epic, it was an epic thing, um, you know, even right now. I mean, I'm sure everyone's enjoying the footage, but we had an even better time eating the grilled cheese, let me tell you. But y'all know what we do with the Tasting those from the Streets thing. It, it's a visual and event series, so you don't just enjoy it on the screen, but you can also get down in person with us and enjoy the pairing. Sure enough, that's what we did in Merceau. You know, it was a warm-up to everything that's to come. But, you know, I, I have to give you so much credit, Melena, because, um, you know, you really made it all happen. So, If you could just uh, take the audience through um, that experience from your perspective, and um, you know, when we came to you with the idea, what your thought process was in helping us to blow this thing out of the water bigger than we could have imagined.
1: Sure. So we turned it around pretty quickly, right? It was like... I think we had a month maybe
0: um <laughs>
1: and that month of of leading up to it really was um harvest so it was a crazy <laughs> crazy time to like knock on winemakers doors and be and, and put this all together but there was so much enthusiasm we didn't um, expect that level of enthusiasm the tickets sold out um way faster than we imagined we had a wait list um the only negative thing about this event was that we couldn't have everyone come who wanted to come (laughs) it was like we didn't expect that you know and that's 120 people for a tasting um is already you know quite a bit and um so i think number one for us was like location and we were so lucky that it was a beautiful time of year we had Gorgeous weather, and we thought, okay, can we get into the vines somehow? And um, we found a wonderful place, um, the Cave de Peres, um, at the Moulin 01. So it's a chateau, kind of an old uh, Moulin, an old um, mill. And really, with the backdrop of the vineyards, you're in the vines. There's a little creek running through it. Um, so much history there, and you're right in between auxey du and Merceau um yeah the for us it i think it was we had we found the spot and then we found a dj local dj from san homo (laughs) which just so great um that we were able to you know pull it off with someone locally um and um yeah then we just started we i knew jeremy would be in and was (laughs) excited about this about this and so we decided to go with the, the wines that you had, I mean, to, to go with white burgundy paired with the grilled cheese sandwiches. And um, so we had, I guess it was six wineries altogether and a really nice mix of talented young, um, young winemakers and also some of the um, very established, um, you know revered domain that everyone looks up to as well. So it was such a great combination and I think everyone was happy to be there. It was um yeah, beautiful evening and just I mean, what I realized about pairing music with the wine tasting is that it just elevates the experience. Mm-hmm. It goes from being a tasting to being a party. You yeah. know, it's like it's still um it shifts the mood and it's nostalgic. So many people, you know, Especially since we were playing a lot of hip hop from the nineties and oh, yeah. <laughs> early two thousands, you know. Luckily the crowd was, you know, worked with the age and <laughs> people knew, you know. And um yeah, I loved seeing the reactions. I loved seeing the winemakers. Some winemakers came to us who weren't part of the tasting and were like, yeah. you know, we wanna do this. Like ask us <laughs> next time. You know, why didn't you ask us? And yeah. um, that's, that's wonderful. Dominique Lafont, like biggest smile on his face. Oh, and he yeah, saying, love him. next year, Claude Bourgeau. <laughs> <laughs> next year we're going really big. We're going to do it at the Claude Bourgeau. So yeah, it was well received. And um, we were, we were, we just had a great time. No, it was it, a great energy.
0: It was dope. And, and you know what? Like I feel like after um, when we were putting the footage together for the event, I was doing my voiceover and everything, and I was thinking about it. I didn't really know what um, what angle to speak about the event from. And my brother's like, yo, y'all keep talking about this harvest. Like, what's so special about the harvest? <laughs> I was like, hmm.
1: okay, I just breezed right over that. That's Th- true.
0: Like That's- that is the angle right there. Yeah. You, because yeah. that is the entire reputation of the region. Although there are all these different wineries Everyone's really working together to rep their hood, to rep their name. And all of that work that that goes into taking care of those vines all year, leading up to that moment when you are Absolutely. picking them, it's that epic release of, ah, oh, we did this. It
1: was perfect timing. <laughs> it was such great timing because you never know when the harvest is going to be, right? Yeah. That's something you can't really plan. I mean, we can plan it about 100 days out, but not, um, not much more than that. And um, we had an epic harvest this year. So everyone was so happy, exhausted, for sure. (laughs) Um, And luckily, you didn't stay around for October, because October with the vinification of all this wine, you know, (sighs) we had a bumper crop, it was a huge, huge harvest, um, unlike anything that I've seen since I've been here in 10 years. So um, and especially after 2021, which was just um, mm. a really difficult, um, challenging vintage with, you know, very, very small quantities. This year, every winemaker had filled every vessel that they had, you know, wow. buckets of wine. And, you know, um, are everyone's calling, looking for more barrels, more barrels, more tanks. I got to tap it on them 2022s. Y'all. Don't yeah, don't forget about well, There them will wine. be wine. <laughs> There's going to be wine, which is just like, I love that. The Burgundians are kept saying, on va faire du vin cette année. Like, we're going to make wine this year, you know, and (laughs) this isn't a drill. Um, (laughs) But they were happy. And that made the evening so wonderful, too, because there was just this release. I mean, the adrenaline of harvest and then sort of just the celebration. And every winery will have their own pole kind of Mm -hmm. end of harvest party for their team. But there's not much for everyone else and so Mm. that felt really great too to be able to offer you know for all the wine lovers who may not work at a winery but live around here and work in some other element of wine Mm -hmm. um, to be able to celebrate it too because it's a whole community affair like you said and Then also, to even if you do work in a winery, to be able to celebrate with someone who works in a different winery and you haven't right. seen them don't see each other during the harvest, we're like so busy, <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah,
1: like the we all
0: graduated, guys,
1: yeah, yeah, and also, like, yeah, we just are so busy. I, I know at the end of summer, we often say bye to our friends, like, I'll see you in November because mm-hmm. it's. September October is so busy and um, and so that was a chance for everyone to come together and um, catch up and congratulate each other on a great year and yeah the the mood was good for sure
0: that was that was so dope and yeah I already have some really really cool ideas about next year and how to uh, how to really take this thing to the next level Um, so no that this is this was so dope I mean and i feel like at this point (laughs) i i really feel like um burgundy is a second home you know Mm -hmm. and i it's what you have done for us is, is so so incredibly appreciative because you know you've really showed us or showed me around that space so much and i have come away from burgundy understanding that region so much better And I mean, it's like I'm doing interviews and shit. Shout to, you know, Emily (laughs) Saladino. I was in Emily, shout to Emily Saladino. You know, I was in Food & Wine the other day talking about this. But I mean, uh, I have so much of that um, to to pay my respect to to you for that. Um, And a question that I get a lot is about the emerging uh, areas in Burgundy you know, it's not just the, the Grand cruz anymore. Um, there's so much more happening there. I'm interested uh, from your perspective, what are some of the um, what are some of the upcoming areas that um, that people should look out for wine from?
1: So look no further than our name of our company, hey. which we we live in the Haute Cote de Bone. We didn't name our company with much um, consideration. I probably shouldn't admit that, but we just needed a name, and
0: we were like, <laughs>
1: uh, so <laughs> uh, "It's like our address. Um, so can we go with our street name?" You know, we were really looking at either it's going to be the name of our village or we just call it the part. And then we really did give it some thought and realized that the oat coat. Um, is an exciting up and coming region of Burgundy so we're just over the hill from Pomard which is you know obviously has um, a a big um, an important reputation and then just five minutes away um, you're up in the Haute Cote and it's a little bit wilder it's a little bit uh, more rustic there are not you know you're it's not the Grand Cru Tour up here and um, but it's stunningly beautiful and it's there are some great wines, I think also with climate change, um, you know, it, it goes to we haven't seen yet what, you know, we can't say for certain that it will be that the next Grand Cruise will be coming from the Oat Code. Um, <laughs> don't quote me on that. But but <laughs> I do think that, you know, um, the climate is is changing this region for sure. I mean, that's uh, we're seeing it with the harvests being earlier and earlier and um, droughts and um, the terroir will change, and yeah, I think that the Odecote is a really exciting place to be, um, and and exciting wines coming from this area.
0: Well, Melena, thank you so much for kicking it with me. This was amazing. It was so fun to catch up with you again. You know, you know, we like cousins in this thing. So I'm looking forward to many, many more amazing collabs with you.
1: Thank you, me too. And we're waiting for you next um next end of harvest party to end all harvest parties (laughs) next year. Hope it will be a good vintage.
0: (laughs) Most definitely. Please give my best to Luigi. Um next time we're gonna have him on the show as well. Y'all I'm sure y'all see him in in this amazing uh uh, footage circulating about the party. But yeah, man, you know it's how we do it, y'all. It's another episode of Wine and Hip Hop. Peace. This was a moment in wine and hip-hop, brought to you by Crew Love.